Ladies and gentlemen, the very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. Hi there. Welcome. Kate Daly Show at your service. Uh, my gosh, I can't believe we hit over 23 million on SoundCloud. It's been amazing. And uh, thank you for sharing the show. Really appreciate all of you. And I have a really special guest today. In fact, I've been wanting to uh, to actually interview her for a very long time because I'm a big admirer of uh, Lara Logan. I think that she is one of the most courageous journalists that we have. And I, you know me, I don't say that lightly. I have, inter- we interview about 350 people a year, right? And let me just tell you that um, it takes a lot of courage to do what she's done and to take the risks and to do the things that she's been through. She's been through a lot in order to bring you the truth. And when somebody does that, I say that that is the, that is the time when you really listen and you listen hard to what somebody actually is telling you because no one's going to risk their career. Okay. Unless they're there to bring you some truth. And so I really appreciate uh, uh, Lara joining me. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Kate. How are you doing? I'm so glad. I'm so glad to have you on my show. And and let me just tell you, uh, I'm a huge fan. But when I say that, I, I really mean it because I'm in this world of media and I'm in this world of reporting and journalism and it's extremely hard to say the truth. Your journey over the last 30, 30 plus years, I how how would you describe that to somebody um, as far as through your eyes, what you've seen and how you've changed? I think one of the most unexpected things is that I never saw this, uh, where we are now, I never saw this coming. Mm. I didn't understand that. I really, you know, really that our greatest challenge as journalists was um, figuring out, you know, the truth of things. And of course, you know, it's not easy to get to the truth or to get people to talk to you. But I didn't ever think that we would be in an unconventional um, information war Mm. for freedom itself in America. I mean, that was never something that I anticipated. I just, I, I grew up, you know, um, I, I guess you would say very liberal because mm-hmm. um, we we believed in freedom and tolerance and um, and things like that. And at that time, those were very uh, liberal concepts. Right. And mm-hmm. now I don't I don't recognize what passes for the left today. But I don't even like those distinctions because. The real war uh, that we're facing is is for humanity, and um, and that means that those those are the kind of distinctions that have allowed them to divide humanity and blind us to the reality that's coming. Because the greatest threat we've ever faced comes in the form of of those who see us as the last generations of humans. Oh, amen to that. When I say the word two different parties, Republicans and Democrats, what's your view of that now? The two party system. Um, I don't believe that there is actually uh, that there are two parties. I mean, when I say that, it's not just a matter of belief. It's not just that, oh, this is what, what I 
I have decided ideologically, I believe, and it's a matter of, look, for example, at the border. Yes. Um, you, you know, if you go beyond the headlines, right, if you go beyond the posturing, what you see is that Newsmax, for example, directs their people to only talk about migrants, not illegal immigrants. Exactly anymore. Right. Well, that's a uniparty policy. Right. I mean, that is, the, in fact, the policy of the globalists. Mm -hmm. And so that means that people on the right and the left are signing up to the policy of the globalists, which which is where I call them. These are the kind of issues that expose the uniparty. Right. Yes. And um, I agree. And where you see Democrats and Republicans in lockstep. I mean, you, you let's face it, the, the big elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about is the fact that that well, nobody on the right wants to talk about it. Mm -hmm. The Republican Party has to deal with the fact that they have become the the establishment uni party globalists have yeah. been exposed for who they are. Yes. And um, and they are now separate from the base. So you see, for example, they're going nuts in the media and on television and on Capitol Hill about how, you know, oh, how dare Matt Gates create chaos? Mm -hmm. And it's like, what are you talking about? Right. You want business as usual? You, you know, that's not what the American people want. They don't want business as usual. They are tired of financing you and all those people like you. Like, I mean, the, the absolute simplest example is student loans. That mm -hmm. sums up perfectly what's been going on in this country for decades. So you want hardworking people who couldn't afford to go to college mm -hmm. and didn't have the privilege, right, and the contracts and everything else to get a loan, right, and to right. get someone else to pay for it. So you want to take their tax dollars, those people who go and, and they keep America going, they drive trucks, you know, mm -hmm. or they're working in convenience stores overnight or they're stocking shelves in the supermarket. All those people that you suddenly in the pandemic pretended that you thought were so great because you suddenly realize, oh, wait a minute. Uh, we have to call them essential workers because otherwise, how am I going to get my avocado toast from Trader Joe's? <laughs> so true. Right. And so, yes. um, yeah. And so, so for, for four and a half seconds, we, the narrative changed and these people were no longer scum of the earth, irrelevant, mm -hmm. unimportant, right. right. For four and a half seconds. But look how quickly that's disappeared. Yeah. We're no longer doing, you know, great songs and pledges, you know, and getting down on our knees and bowing to the, to the truckers because, oh goodness, their politics isn't what, uh, we want it to be. Yes. So you get an issue, you get an issue like that, which really exposes the uniparty. What you realize, it's what Tucker Carlson said years ago. He said that when when they were appointing Joe Biden's administration and they and all these journalists and and lead political figures were jumping up and down saying it's the most diverse administration in history. And Tucker said, not of thought. You know, how about you put <laughs> so someone true. in your administration who goes to church on a Sunday right. and actually believes in God right. or, you know, who who doesn't take their baseball cap off when they sit down to eat dinner, mm -hmm. uh, you know, at the yes. table. Right. Yes. How about there's some real diversity and how about the leaders in this country actually represent all the people? Boy, so, that be you know, amazing? but we don't see that. Nope. Right. We don't see that. We see we see only they only elect people that all they all go to the same colleges. Mm -hmm. Right. They all believe the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's just like when I was in at 60 Minutes and CBS and in that part of the media, it was all about um, we all agreed with each other. I mean, I remember once as a young girl um, when there was a ch there was a, a challenge to Roe v. Wade mm -hmm. and I, it suddenly occurred to me for the first time in my life 
that Roe v. Wade was not a, a permanent fixture. Right. That it could be. It, that yes, it, there was you know, no federal law. Be. The states could do what they wanted to do still. Yeah. And I didn't know this. I mm -hmm. didn't understand because I wasn't from this country. Mm -hmm. And and I remember um, I remember having this conversation in the newsroom and just and being reassured mm -hmm. that nobody around me um, even considered the possibility that anything other than Roe v. Wade was the sane and just standard from which all of our reporting and perspective flowed. Wow. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. and what you don't realize, and, and at that time, I thought, well, you know, we worked hard and, and we really uh, tried um, very hard to be um, objective and we tried to get to the truth. And we thought we were part of this very noble struggle. Mm -hmm. and, but we, we never, ever challenged the underlying assumptions that informed our reporting. So what's the underlying assumption with Roe v. Wade? Well, that Roe v. Wade is right. You know, that mm -hmm. that any pro-life or anti-abortion perspective is one of insanity mm -hmm. and lunacy. Yep. Right. Yep. And um, and 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 then, of course, I you know, whether or not you agree with that, the point was more that it didn't even occur to us that there was any validity to another perspective. And that's my point, is that mm. I spent many years, you know, just blindly uh, blindly reassured by the fact that everyone around me shared my perspective, therefore it must be right. And so this is this is was really conditioning for for the place we find ourselves in today, where no one is allowed to disagree. Right. Right. You know, there's only one correct position on anything. When I was a young a young girl in South Africa, you know, horrified by the injustice of apartheid, mm -hmm. and um, and doing everything that I could. Right to uh, to bring that to light. Um, it never. You know, I remember my father saying to me once, "But if you if you believe in tolerance," and my father was very liberal, by the mm -hmm. way. But he said to me, "If you believe in tolerance and being tolerant, doesn't that mean you have to tolerate these people that you're just telling me are worthless?" Because I was talking about the right wing, mm -hmm. you know, in South Africa. And I said, "No, it doesn't mean that." And he he started laughing, and he said, "Well, why not?" <laughs> what does tolerant actually mean? Right. And he right. said, but, but, so, but so why did do, why don't you have to be tolerant of them? And I said the the words. This is how I know I was so conditioned, right? Mm -hmm. I said the words they want you to say, because I said because racism is morally indefensible. It's mm. unjustifiable. They don't have a right to exist. Right. Right. There's no there's no justification for it. There's no basis for it. They don't have a right to exist. That position doesn't have a right to it's not defensible. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, that that's the kind of conditioning that that so many people have like in their head. That's that's being implemented today. If you're a Trump supporter, you are now um, qualified by and regarded by the Department of Homeland Security as an extremist threat. Right. So we right. have now moved. We have traveled light years in a direction I never in my right mind thought this country would ever, ever travel, let alone reach this point where if you literally on the basis of what you think and what you believe and who you vote for, mm -hmm. you are now um, yep. an extremist and a terrorist and a, and a threat. I mean, I just I don't even know what to say to that because it is so 
unbelievably horrifying. It's so diabolical. It's so anti-free uh, speech. And we're targeted now. So we are a targeted, I would say, species. It's, it's if you're Christian and you and you think that the Second Amendment should exist, and uh, as it does, as it is the, the law of the land and the government's supposed to protect it, it's a God-given right. And so all of these things have demonized us. And so when I saw people go down on... Those things didn't demonize us. People. Yes. People demonized yes. us. Yes, the yes. people demonized us. And so when I saw people go down to January 6th and get completely demonized and defamed and, and told that, that, you know, that they were criminals. And it's so interesting to me because there were never any real pictures of 140 officers getting beaten down. What did they do? Just stand there. And, uh, and then there were never any real charges against the people in, in J6. It was trespassing uh, for the most part. And so they couldn't even really say armed insurrection. So there were so many problems with the narrative right off of the bat that I, I was just, I was in shock actually at the way they spun the narrative for J6 and kept doing it and kept doing it, even though there wasn't the evidence to, to back up the narrative. But I want you to talk about J6 because I think you bring to light, you are, you have a mission and that is to bring the truth of what really happened that day to the American people. And I sure hope they listen to you. Well, my mission is to bring, you know, the truth to any subject that I work on, right? And I'm yeah. I'm very careful with uh, the, the J6 um, community to make sure they understand that I am not an activist. Mm -hmm. I am a journalist, mm -hmm. and that's my job, right? Right, right. So, I, and I say, you, you happen to have, you like me right now because you have the truth on your side. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is that the narrative is ridiculous. I mean, it's absolutely laughable. There's not a single person, whether you're in the military or you're, uh, you know, a professor or whatever it happens to be, there isn't a single person who can actually stand up with any degree of credibility and say that what happened on January 6th was a real insurrection. Yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a joke. Yeah. I mean, first of all, if you're going to overthrow a government, <laughs> you have to have some kind of infrastructure in place to hold that ground. Great point. And you need to hold it both politically, you need to hold it physically, right? Mm -hmm. You have Great to point. have something in place yes. to hold that ground. So Intention, it's, intentional, um, mm -hmm. and, and premeditated and set up and done, right? That's what you're saying. And an actual mm -hmm. infrastructure. Mm -hmm. That means you need you need people, mm -hmm. right? Who, sure. who are your troops? Yeah. Who are your soldiers? Who's going to hold that ground? There's no indication that that anyone from the Proud Boys was communicating with anyone in the in the Department of Defense or in the armed forces. There's no the government hasn't even alleged that. Right. So there, there, there is no there's a complete and utter absence. So. Of, of any evidence of uh, a real insurrection. They created uh, a fake conspiracy to mm -hmm. try uh, to, to put decent people away. And, and at the heart of all of it is one of the worst things, something that I cannot abide. And that is very simply this. There are people in this country who for years have been creating a false narrative that white uh, supremacy is on the rise and it's the greatest existential threat to this country. Bingo. And you know that it's a lie mm -hmm. because when you read the law enforcement bulletins on this and track these over years as I have, mm -hmm. you see that what they use as evidence over and over and over again is not concrete examples of things being done. 
It's screenshots of stupid that people are saying in a chat room mm -hmm. that, by the way, is probably at least one person, sometimes both mm -hmm. or all in those conversations are FBI informants or undercover agents. Right. And if they're not working for the FBI, they're working for the JTTF, the Joint Terrorism Task Force, or the Department of Homeland Security in another capacity, or any other agency, including intelligence agencies throughout this government. And this has been replicated in, in court in the January 6 cases. You know, most of the evidence that is presented time and time and time again mm -hmm. is what people said on social media, you know, and and that is um, that is so wrong mm -hmm. to me. I mean, there's so many things that are wrong. But what I know is someone someone put those agents inside those organizations. Somebody else on the political side was funneling money to them. I mean, I've you know, there are entire chapters, the Oath Keepers, mm -hmm. that are all informants. Yes. So how mm -hmm. is that not? Entrapment. Very, very much How so. How is it not entrapment? Yes. I mean, look at the Governor Whitmer plot, right? The, mm -hmm. the kidnapping plot. This is what Stephen Sund, um, former head of the Capitol Police, and all these others. This is the, the, the main example that they cite as the threat of the ascendant white supremacist in this country. And yet, when you look at that trial, what does it show you? It shows you that the FBI targeted a bunch of vulnerable, uh, um, you know, sort mm -hmm. of unimportant in the sense that they were unconnected. Right. They had no connections. They didn't come from big families. They didn't come from money. They were defenseless. Yes. One of the guys, I think, was living in his parents' basement. I mean, this is a guy with no, who had no particular future at the time. He had no money. He had nothing. They offer him a prepaid credit card for $5,000 to go what? buy weapons, and he says, no, thank you. No, thank you. Every person that they framed in that ridiculous non-kidnapping plot that was a total mm -hmm. and utter, it wasn't just a lie. It was an FBI operation to Bingo. target and persecute mm -hmm. and frame American citizens who were not sophisticated enough to know how to defend themselves against the power and might of the government because that government is meant to serve those people. Yeah. There is nothing in the Constitution that says we only serve the people from the East and the West Coast yes. because those people <laughs> in between are worthless. Mm -hmm. Yep. There's nothing. It's, it doesn't say You're that. Right. It says that, there, that we have inalienable rights, mm -hmm. God-given rights. And what we have discovered uh, what Donald Trump really exposed was that when they say that this is a government of the people, for the people, and by the people, mm -hmm. what they actually mean is not you, yes. only certain people, yeah. only the people that we deem worthy. You're That's what they really right. mean. So they make a mockery of, yeah. the, of the entire country. And that's exactly, they don't care that they make a mockery of it because it's just like this. Why would you fight for a government mm -hmm. and a system mm -hmm. that puts innocent people in prison, that lies? Why would you fight for that? You wouldn't. Right. Why would you as an Afghan today, mm -hmm. why would you fight for freedom and justice and equality? Why would you as a woman in Afghanistan mm -hmm. risk, you know, going to school, risk being uh, being burned at the stake right. pretty much? 
right? Right. Why would you risk all of that? Because the ideal for which you are fighting mm -hmm. has been so profoundly discredited. We're going to stop here. We're going to go to a quick break. We'll be right back. More with Lara Logan. You're going to want to hear this. Be right back. Kate Daly Show. Hey, everybody. Last month, the G20 announced a plan to impose digital currencies and digital IDs on their populations. So central bank digital currencies essentially allow the government to track, well, every purchase you make. They could even allow officials to prohibit you from purchasing certain products. Isn't that lovely? Or easily freeze or seize part of or all of your money. So concerned people, <laughs> I hope you're concerned. Diversifying their assets, that's what they're doing, into physical gold with the help of, of Birch Gold Group. This is the company I trust. This is the one I would tell you to go to, okay? If you want a physical asset held in a tax-sheltered retirement account, then you should go to Birch Gold, too. All you have to do is get their information, text 989898, and text the name Kate. They're going to send you a free info kit on gold, and the easiest way uh, to become a, a Birch Gold customer, if you have an IRA or 401k from a previous employer, just gathering dust, Birch Gold can help you actually convert that right now into an IRA in gold, and you don't even pay a penny out of pocket. How nice is that? You guys, this is so huge, so important. Please text 989898. Text my name, Kate. Okay? Just get the information so I know that you're at least covered with the information from a group of people I trust. Okay? Thanks, you guys. Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. Daly Show. So happy to be with you. And what a great guest, right? Calling it as she sees it. And let me just tell you, there are, I, I mean, we have to look at the right and the left in media being so infiltrated that when people speak the truth, listen to them. When people speak the truth, you share them on social media, please. We need the truth. We don't need peace on earth. We need truth on earth because that actually brings peace. Um, it, we've got it backwards. We need truth on earth and we don't have the truth. And so I have uh, Lara Logan with me and I'm so happy about that. And I just wanted to mention, go to Birch Gold and uh, Birch Gold, uh, just text them 989898, okay? And text my name, Kate. And and get some advice on what to do as digital currency is coming in. Get some advice on what to do with your money. And you know what? It, it could cost you nothing to go ahead and get those IRAs backed with gold. So, my gosh, get the information. Just get the information. Just text 989898. These are people I trust. And text them the name Kate, okay? Um, Lara, I, the, all the points you're making, I'm like standing here just going, yes, yes, yes. And I feel bad because I'm saying yes, yes, yes so much. Um, and I so agree with everything you just said about Afghanistan, the two parties, the, I mean, the uniparty. I mean, you were talking about Matt Gates, and, you know, McCarthy in February actually put him on the judicial committee and they're supposed to be enemies. I think everybody's friends uh, behind the veil of, of the DC swamp and the country has only gone one direction in 120 years, and there's a reason for that. And both parties help it. One's very uh, more aggressive about it. One's a little quieter about it and, uh, and, 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 and pacifies us a little bit more. And so it must be terribly hard to be a journalist who sees the truth. When did you, when did you start seeing this? When did you kind of start seeing that there were narratives when I got mugged by reality, which was um, over right. Benghazi, you know, because 
I just I started to see Cheryl Atkinson's very uh, brave reporting, mm. you know, and very honest reporting. She's great. And Cheryl Atkinson, yeah, she's amazing, and she's someone that I worked with at, at CBS. And I didn't have, you know, I was off uh, living. I lived for five years in in Iraq, and mm-hmm. I lived in Afghanistan, so it, I didn't spend a lot of time back in DC or New York. But when, when I moved to the DC bureau, and Cheryl was there, and then uh, she was. Uh, she ultimately left CBS and she was really targeted because of her reporting. <laughs> so, she, <coughs> excuse me, Cheryl's one of the people, you know, in seeing what happened to her, I realized I wasn't the only one. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was she was doing some very bold early reporting on Benghazi, and she had done um, you know the whole gun walker gun running thing with Eric Holder, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, she had um, exposed that, right? And um, and so when I was targeted, those things, having seen what happened to Cheryl, resonated with with me, and there was some very important reporting, like. People glossed over Cheryl's reporting on the FEST teams, which is the fast emergency response teams Mm -hmm. that were literally designed to reach U.S. soil anywhere in the world in two hours or less. And I remember, you know, that seemed like a tall order to me. How how could any how could you reach, you know, the other side of the world from the United States in -hmm. in two hours or less? Is that even possible? But I did a lot of work on that. And it was true. You know, I, I, I learned that we have the technology to do that. And in fact, that technology is not even new. It had been in operation for years at that wow. point, secretly, right? Wow. And so um, I'm saying this because this is sort of the, the beginning of my really challenging things, uh, assumptions that I had about um, the way the world worked. I remember saying to my boss during the whole, when my Benghazi story blew up and it all came down to mm-hmm. this guy, um, the, this one character in our story, his account being challenged of what mm-hmm. happened that night. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he said, you know, I don't care what they produce, what they say. I told the FBI everything. And so then it was all hinging on the word of the FBI. Wow. You know, and I'm... I said to my, I said to my boss at the time, gosh, I really hope the FBI, you know, doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't right. lie. We're going to come, and... we're going to come right back. I want to start right back there. When we come back, this was a short break. We'll be right back for a longer uh, segment with uh, the great, Lara Logan be right back.